This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Well, I got it. Heaven! Well, why don't you want to get in the bathtub? Ah! Uh Gum. You and I. This is so good. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me an advanced copy of Denis Villeneuve's Dune on 4K Ultra HD (laughs) and Blu-ray and digital. Happy holidays, everybody. The lights, camera, Jackson. Yeah, it's LCJ. Yeah, <laughs> the man. It's the lights, camera, Jackson, wishing us a very happy holidays because it's the holidays. Lights, now. camera, jingle bells. Yeah, lights, camera, jingle. Uh, <laughs> the first day I've got. He has a nice voice. <laughs> he has. A he was like singing voice. well. Yeah. Oh, he well. Caroline, I don't know if you know this. He has a sort of tradition of doing the twelve days of Christmas. <gasps> what? Uh, every year, he's been doing it. Obviously. Since he was a little boy. Now, how are you finding this information out since you've been blocked by him? Well, no, I'm not for, blocked on YouTube. I think pornography or no, something? No, not pornography. Garfield no. pornography? Like, so, Didn't you send him Garfield porn? No, I've never sent anyone Garfield porn besides you. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, yeah. he's, he's been doing this for years and years. Ooh, and mud with Matthew McConaughey. <gasps> Wow. Day of Christmas, my true love gave to me stories we tell 42 and money. 42? <laughs> on the fourth day of Christmas. It really is a time capsule. Incredible Burt Wonderstone, DreamWorks, Turbo, The Great Gatsby. Great Gatsby. <laughs> the way, way back stories we tell 42. The way, way back. And mud with Matthew McConaughey. Didn't we He's watch struggling. mud together? Yeah, we did. I think we did. It was either Stink. mud or Joe. Stinker. Mm-hmm. What? Is he Mormon? If he feels like he he's Mormon. He seems really Mormon. I think Mormon. he's conservative because he has a podcast. Because he's Mormon. Right. No, <laughs> because he, he has a podcast where he talks about a, a television show called Back to You. It was a sitcom that was on Fox for two seasons starring Patricia Heaton and Kelsey Grammer. I know and more. he's like, they're the funniest duo ever. <laughs> it's a podcast devoted to that sitcom. To hyping those two. That no one's... Uh, yeah, so... Lights I, Camera Jackson is probably like... Um, a think tank, conservative funded, <laughs> like media arm at this point. It makes sense. The only one hyping Patricia Heaton project. If anyone doesn't know, it's the it's the boy critic who's been in the game for the last ten years, the and he's boy wonder. he's a man now. But I am blocked by him on Twitter. Uh, he is an object of fascination for myself and a lot of people that I know. Uh, he did slut shame Amy Schumer famously a oh, couple that's years not ago. Cool. No, it was not good. He was like, I just spent the night with Amy Schumer, which is something a lot of guys have said. And then Amy Schumer retweeted, like, well, this sucks. Like, and he's like, sorry, Amy Schumer. Like, it was a, a bad it exchange. It feels like that would be a joke she would make about herself. And he thought, like, oh, I'll just t- chime in here, you know? Classic. He's like a, a living reply guy. You know, I could see him making those kind of mistakes. You think this is the face of a living reply guy? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you two look a lot alike, Okay, actually. welcome to Good Christian Fun. I'm Kevin. I'm Caroline. We're here to have Good Christian Fun. Good Christian Fun is the podcast where we talk about lights and camera and Jackson. And another, not LCJ, but LJC, the living Jesus Christ. Um, at LU. At, where, where's that? Liberty University. Yeah. <laughs> but we're not here to make fun of you. Or to make you go to church. We're just here to have a little bit of good Christian fun. Uh, Caroline, we are doing our first guestless episode. Do you remember the last time we did this without a guest on the main Of course. Feed? I keep track of that. It was, of I course— I always remember for, these things. Well, then let's say at the same time. We know God's God not, not dead, dead for 2021. 20, <laughs> God's not dead for 2021. That's when it's like they're trying to make weed legal, but they they're building the weed <laughs> clinics where the churches are. And no, Kevin that's going to be like him. thirty years in the future. We're doing weed is now like a Republican talking point. Like they love it now. 
It, no, it's the thing that happens on a long enough time frame, like you're describing words. If you think about it, Jesus was actually the yeah. ultimate dealer. He he rolled up a blunt for our sins, uh, et cetera, whatever. Blessed are the mellowed. Yeah. <laughs> it will happen. Everything it will happen. after a certain of amount of time. Of course it will happen. It's legalizing on um, almost every state. I mean, before you know it. Preachers in the pulpit are going to be token up every morning. Isn't that fun? I got a little high for the first time in many, many months last Congratulations. week. Congratulations. Thank you. It was in a good, safe environment. Okay. This is, and why are you sharing this news? Why? Yeah. Because we were just talking about weed. It's newsworthy. Yeah. It's okay. new, it, I think you said it. it's newsworthy, actually. <laughs> Do you have Boring. a good time? Well, I got sick the next day. <laughs> I did have a fever and threw up. Whoa. Wait, did I tell you about That's what the, happens when you smoke weed, kids. It, it, no, I went you to bed sick. at 4 and woke up at 8.30, and that was not the move. I mm. should have slept longer. But then there was a dinner. I was out of town, and we had to go to a dinner with a friend of ours. Was this at New York City? It was in New York City. And it was really important that we go to this dinner for a number of emotional reasons. And so I had to go, but I was like, okay. And emotional I was like dinner. sweating it out Yeesh. in the city. I was throwing up in the bathroom of a... Sushi Jesus place Christ. in Chinatown. It was not. Why did good. you go? Because we needed to be there for the emotional dinner. Yeah, you were throwing up in the bathroom. Yeah, but they didn't know that. <laughs> they should. I, I don't think so. <laughs> These are friends of yours. Sometimes when you gotta vomit, it can be a little secret that you keep to yourself, and it's fun. And it, it yes, they are friends of mine. I think I read question. that in the Dear Susie and Brio magazine. <laughs> She was very Her pro. name is Susie, right? Susie, yeah. Okay. I want to say Johnson, Esmond, but I'm not sure. Orman. <laughs> it's Susie Orman. Uh, yes, but we are talking about another film today in the tradition of going guestless. It's called God Forbid, The Sex Scandal That Brought Down a Dynasty. Talking docs today, documentaries. It's, yeah, documentary, documentary. Kevin and I are putting our little professor caps on. <laughs> uh, we went to school. The Cinebag Verite here is uh, something that uh, the talking head <laughs> the Issues. It is, by the way, it is it is legitimately funny to see in 2022 the sort of documentary tropes I've calcified with, like, whatever streaming boom there's been of, like, there's 19 documentaries every week. Right. So now, like, the, the, the one, and people are making fun of this on TikTok now, uh, the big one is, the pre-roll of the setup of the interview subject sitting down. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, okay, let's do that. And they're like fixing their Walking hair. in and out of frame. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And it's like, see, the authenticity of this speaks for itself. That's like a tried and true trope now, I feel like, right. well into the 2020s. You see their human moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, remember Making a Murderer? Remember that show on Netflix? The guy who it's like I didn't watch that, and I don't think good. That that captivated a lot of people a couple of Thanksgiving murderer. Ago. What was that about? Six years ago, um, it was a ooh. I'm gonna get every detail wrong. It was this man who was wrong. He says wrongfully accused of murder, <laughs> but it was oh god, where the hell was it? It was in a it was in a part of the country. Why are you giggling? <laughs> because the only thing I remember. <laughs> About it is the 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 accused, the main guy being in jail, and the recorded phone calls of him. He says, "I don't know, I didn't do it." <laughs> That's does, all you remember. And he does sound <laughs> like that. Yes, Stephen Avery. Stephen Avery. He went to Salvage Yard in Wisconsin, and he was accused um, of uh, murder. And, well, shout out to Stephen Avery. Mm-hmm. This episode is dedicated to you. Him and his innocence. <laughs> I hope you fly free, but guy. <laughs> well, that's a good question. Do you partake in documentary uh, of of this ilk, like by and large? Do of you like pr- crime documentaries yeah, like, like, or just documentaries in general? So like the, the one we watch is like, ooh, this sort of salacious story yeah. that happened, uh, you know, where it's like there's no bodies, uh, right. but there is crime and perhaps extortion and scandal and resignation and whatnot. No jail time for anybody. Do, do you watch stuff like this on your of, of your own volition? Not really. Uh, I, I think uh, I kind of get tired of them because sometimes it feels like there isn't a lot of story and they're just like pulling it like taffy, you know, mm-hmm. over the course of the thing. Not so much with this one, um, but the last one I watched was Bad Vegan, I think. Okay, what happened in Bad Vegan? That was where Alec Baldwin <laughs> made an appearance. <laughs> 
It was mostly about this woman who owned a vegan restaurant in New uh-huh. York City that was very popular and acclaimed. And then she kind of got looped into this really weird manipulative relationship with this guy who was like telling her they were going to rule the world together. It got really strange really That's fast. That's cool. It was cool. And she gave him a ton of money and she almost dated Alec Baldwin, Mr. Shot. They were they were talking on Twitter. What's the timeline? Was this pre <laughs> how you say cucumber? What's her name? I almost called her Melania. <laughs> His wife. Hilaria. Uh, Hilaria. Yeah. Um Yeah, it was oh pre Hilaria. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Because he would never be unfaithful. No, I, he loves his know, family. He loves all of his children so much. He definitely doesn't look like he wants to hang himself he anytime loves he's being pictured a with papa. his nine children. He's like, wait, I have there's this one too. Oh my god! Was a surprise to him. So I watched that, but um, I don't know. Otherwise, I I I kind of like watching fun things for entertainment, especially like on the weeknights. You know, I'm trying to keep it light. Mm-hmm. The days are heavy enough. So. The days are heavy enough. You know, it's like in your working life and your day to day, your nine to fives. We're all <laughs> out here, kind of living a documentary. And so, what's the nighttime for? More exactly. documentary or yeah. escape? More horrors? No, yeah. thank you. Are uh, you a big crime doc guy? No. I I I participated in the ones that we all like got wrapped into a monocultural vacuum. I mean, what is Tiger King if not the person you shouldn't have gone home with, but you definitely <laughs> did. <laughs> and then you wake up, you're like Who hasn't gone I'm, home with a few Tiger with Kings? With a few in Tiger King today, you wake up, it's like, <laughs> oh yeah. I watched every episode of you. <laughs> and that's true. And I'm not a bad person for it. And I wanted to at I'm the not time. a better person. I, I I enthusiastically consented to all of this, so but it's not something I would ever want to do again. We're done here. If you ask me on a second date or a season two, I'm gonna say no thanks. Yeah. But it did happen. <laughs> uh that was probably the last time that I, I partook in the genre. I think unless it is really pertinent to my interests, like this one today about mm-hmm. Christian culture, about churches, or about like a particular celebrity. Um, I, I guess this is like a totally different category, but I really want to watch that Selena Gomez documentary, but I don't have Apple TV. Okay. Caroline's giving me a look <laughs> in the room. Like I don't have Apple TV, I but I know. So you, you used to, I used to, I babysat for Ross and his wife, oh. uh, one and time and it? they gave me their login cause I was watching it on their TV and but, they were very nice. And then I got logged out and now I'm too embarrassed to ask <laughs> Well, we can just clip this out and send it to him, and that's a lot less embarrassing. We can. That actually yeah, feels good. I feel better or about that. We could have just the listeners them. tweet Ross like, "Hey, give Caroline hashtag give Caroline just the login again." Be really nice to him. Make it fun. Make it light. But just kind of check in and like, hey, if you wouldn't mind sending Caroline the password to your Apple TV, she would mm-hmm. love to watch that Selena Gomez documentary. I want. I want to watch that Selena Gomez documentary. You do? So, yeah. So I can be interested in her for the first time in my life. <laughs> oh, I'd be like, you're the oh, prime audience. I think so. <laughs> Change my mind about Selena slate. Gomez. I get it. She had lupus. <laughs> she's an overcomer or whatever. Not to dismiss whatever she's gone Damn. through. Oh my God. Well, there's intersection with us, with Hillsong and whatnot, because she's such a devout Christian or and whatever Justin. she is. And Justin. but that, Our favorite Christian. That stuff strikes me as part of the vertically integrated... Whatever the trend is, I'm sure there's like a term for it where every documentary about a musician became a a 90-minute commercial for their thing rather than a filmmaker making a thing about that. Like Miss Americana or the Billie Eilish documentary, the Shawn Mendes documentary on Netflix. Yeah, the Lady Gaga. This one, we will see. I'll have to watch it and give an opinion. But it was the— It was directed by Spike Lee. (laughs) It was directed by Spike Lee, so I think it's going to be honest. Objective. (laughs) I think it was directed by the guy who did the Madonna documentary that was kind of a groundbreaker when it came out and was very um, uh, vulnerable. Hmm. So, well, apparently you get some goodies. My Mind and Me, directed by Alec Keshishan. <laughs> Shishi Ronin. <laughs> have you seen that clip? <laughs> no. That's okay. <laughs> That's you don't have okay. to show it to me. <laughs> It's I think just, I got it. It's just Dennis Quaid trying to pronounce Saoirse Ronan oh. at the Golden Globes. And he goes, Shisha Ronan. 
Not even close. It flew under the radar. You can't read. And it's nice because it's such a whiff that has no like racial undercurrent yeah, to it. Sure. But it's just Shisha Ronan. So <laughs> I I cherish that moment. And and that'll be a new drop in the next episode. Uh but before we talk about before we talk doc, how's your heart? Let's let's do a quick check-in, perhaps. Um Heart is good. You know, it's the winter months. I do not thrive in winter. I don't, I think I'm totally unique in that feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's sort of special to me. It's like when it's cold outside, you get cold inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the time change was dark at like 5.30. And Love it. sometimes you have to go back out in the evening and I don't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to be home and I want to be parked and I want to be there all night. When the sun goes down... I will not clown. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is that say. true? Yeah. <laughs> or no time to or clown. Or too aligned. Yes. Um, how is your heart doing? Uh, it feels a little buoyant today. Wow. I feel like I'm doing all right. Yay. I did go to church yesterday. Does that have anything to do with it? Probably yes. not. Uh, uh, yes, it does. <laughs> Uh, it was interesting. There was a conversation at church of like, what are your, you know, what expectations do you have of each other or in life? And what mm. do you expect from people in your life? And then it got expanded to this larger conversation of what do you expect from a church when you go to it? Yeah. And it is so funny. <laughs> just that, what are you thinking about? <laughs> I'm just thinking the church's answer would be keep them low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the idea, and I think everyone's like self-protection mechanism, especially after certain ages. I'll get what I get and everything's going to be okay no matter what. But yes, to keep them low and especially not to expect the welcome wagon or the, or a big red carpet to be unfurled for you wherever you go, whether it's mm. in relationship or at a church where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we're not kids anymore. We're not college students. It's not going to be somewhere where you're my family now and you really have to put in the footwork to do it. But it is so funny how how much the like – I don't know, like post-30s, not even cynicism, but just like acceptance. Because I'm not cynical about it, but just like the acceptance of, oh, this this can only go so far and I have to work really hard to expand it beyond that. Has bled into every aspect of <laughs> life and relationship. And that the church kind of acknowledged that. And Yeah, and, what was their message about expectations? Expect more, you know. Expect more from the church? Well, not even that particular church, but just like an interrogation of why Why do you not expect anything and are you protecting yourself? Yeah. But it wasn't something where it's like, we're going to do, we're going to plan events for you and you can come to them. So expect to do that. It was talking more about the church in terms of like social group relationship. Oh, it it yeah. wasn't even like, and we're going to have this kind of music and you're going to have this kind of experience and we're going to mm-hmm. have these, this kind of donut in the back. It wasn't so much that. It was like, how do you function with these people, you know? I like that. That's helpful to think about or to do like a a more explicit audit. I think um, a lot of people expect a lot of, um, yeah, like like uh, outreach when they, when they show up at a church or when they visit for the first time. Um, and it, to a certain degree, I think that's a safe expectation, but it's also... I think a lot to expect as well. And it's not really how humans work in general. Like when you enter a social group, they will say hello, but then like you do have to make the effort because why would you suddenly be the friend that everyone has when they've all been friends for years before you ever arrived on sure. the scene, you know? Yeah. No, I'm experiencing this a little bit in a <laughs> very funny White Lotus is back. So a friend of mine started hosting a little White Lotus watch party nice. at her place. And I know her and I know no one else. Mm-hmm. So everyone who's there is someone I'm meeting for the first time. And it's so funny to be on the other end of the thing. Of the party you've yes, hosted all the time. Of the thing I've experienced is like, well, I, you know, like hosting something here. And to have to be someone who's just kind of awkwardly floating towards someone until they're like, hey, who made that? I'm like, I made it, you know, or yeah. like whatever the commonality <laughs> uh, is. And, and the... <laughs> The host is so kind and so funny because she will do the thing of like, oh, um, you know, Karen's from Oklahoma. Kevin, you're from Oklahoma, yeah. right? <laughs> or sometimes she'll just do like, uh, you know, <laughs> Sarah's from Arizona. 
Kevin, you're not from Arizona, but you're from Oklahoma. It's <laughs> like, well, yeah, they're both states. I almost prefer when a host doesn't do that because it always gets you on a topic that like you probably don't want to talk about anyway, you know, of like, oh yeah, you work in this too. All right. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a no. friend who would do that all the time, but she would like dart it together and then like run away from the conversation really quickly. And yeah. it's like, that's not working. Disgust. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it, it it is funny to experience the thing of like, ooh, I got to put a little elbow grease uh-huh. into this to like. You got to bring out your bag of tricks. Yeah. I got to butt in. I got to do my. The same, bag of wigs. My, I got to bring my wigs. I got to bring my little, <laughs> my little JBL Bluetooth speaker. With what the is big your like go to when you're the stranger in the room? How do you know the host? And then from there. How do you know the host? Okay. Asking that question of That's whoever I'm talking to. Yeah. How do you know everybody there? And then how do you know? And then like, and then within the material of just answering those two questions, they're basically You're polite. There's there's gonna be somewhere it's like, oh blah 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 mm-hmm. blah blah da, 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 da. Yeah. And honestly, Taylor as a monocultural object is so helpful. Taylor Swift. Yes. Wow. In situations like that. You're all about the monocultural culture tonight. Yeah. What What else did I say from monocultural? Um, <laughs> Tiger King. That's right. Tiger you're flowing King. with the monoculture. You hate the monoculture, and yet you're I don't part hate of the it. Mo- Wait, I don't hate the monoculture. I love it. I miss it. You have a little like curl in your lip about the monoculture. Wait, wait, truly, wait. How have I <laughs> articulated <laughs> that before? Like, like, like monoculture is low culture. Or like snobbery? Yeah, or just like not as good as what you would be into. Hmm. I don't know. Well, if I've said that before, maybe I've misarticulated <laughs> it. Because I You love monoculture. You I celebrate. Like, I like sharing things with people. True. And it's fun to who doesn't like this like you know, stupid white lows, which I like. It was a good show. Like See, I don't know why I called it. Stupid white lows. I didn't See mean stupid. No, I, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> I didn't mean literally stupid. It's a very good show. That's funny. But that's that's a fun. But yeah, it is helpful one. when you can do, get get something that everybody's into. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's such a nice reason to connect to. And that's kind of why we did this show, you know, because we had a sub monoculture, like, mm-hmm. you know, like those boys from Liberty University who we're talking about today, DC Talk. We want to do some outreach. And we wanted to do some outreach. But when you connect on that, it's like, oh my God, you know? So that's why <laughs> culture is utilitarian for that reason, right? Because it can help you connect Great to- entry point. Someone. It's like having a friend in common that yes. you went to school with. Yes. I wasn't into red, but I loved 1989. Well, I was actually more into the country stuff. Especially when you both get fired up about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that sort of thing is super helpful. So I don't know. I don't know what my bag of tricks is other than like those two baseline. But man, I had a moment last night. I will recall where it's like, and everyone there's, no one's a weirdo. Everyone's kind. Everyone seems to be a decent person. But there was a couple of moments where I was just, I was floating around while three people were having a conversation. I was just like staring at them. I was like, <laughs> how is this me? And they're, they're not weird. They seem great. And I was just like staring at them and they were petting this little cat. And I was like, oh, Wow. This it's hard sometimes. I think it's a little hard sometimes. Oh, I don't know. It is a little hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I feel like my urge a lot of that time is to like try to jut in somehow, but then I have to remember like if I'm just quiet, that's fine too, and they won't think I'm being weird. And they didn't. And I'll just wait until it's a little bit more um, of a flow. Right. There's also the di- the dynamic, of course, the one I'm thinking of last night where I was. <laughs> Out of a group of 17 people, I was the only male there. So oh, wow. That, that creates a different dynamic as well. Definitely. As far as like, not even, not even <laughs> what's, what are you thinking of? Nothing. <laughs> you got your little giggles. I'm just smiling. <laughs> smiling at my friend Kevin. <laughs> In terms of, yeah, uh, not even what is permissible behavior, but it's like you don't know what everyone's threshold is for anything. You don't know what people's sense of humor is if you don't know them that well or what they're yeah. Yeah. Taste palette is like. Wow. But anyway. Good for you. Put yourself out there. Put myself out there. You are. Oh, yeah. Getting out there. It's fun. Um, you know what else is fun? What? Cucking. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with more good <laughs> Christian fun. That's right. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, imagine a world, if you will, where you have an extra hour in your day 
What are you gonna do with it? Are you gonna go for a run? Are you gonna take a nap? Are you gonna read a book? Are you, hey, you know, listeners of this show, are you gonna pray? Are you gonna perhaps read not only a book, but maybe the good book? Well, a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what it is that's important to you and to make that a priority. And guess what can help you do that? Therapy. Therapy can help you find what matters to you. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. And I can attest to this personally. I've been in therapy for 11 years now, and it has helped me tremendously to figure out my priorities, to figure out where my time is going and why, and how to focus on the things I need to focus on and shy away from the things that I actually don't care about, but I just kind of get in autopilot and I'm not feeling and dealing and tuning into my body in real time. Therapy helps with all of that. So if you're thinking about stirring therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GoodChristianFun today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash GoodChristianFun. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Good Christian Fun. It's time to dive into the topic. Come on, let's go. Oh, Steven Squirty's Fat Men. That's his, that's his name when he goes down to Miami. Um, Skeeton. Skeeton scored his fat man. Ah, oh, that's right. That's it. Um, we're talking about, God forbid, the sex scandal that brought down a dynasty. This movie, this documentary came out on Hulu two weeks ago, three weeks ago, as, as of you listening to this. Um, it is a, a documentary about the Jerry Falwell Jr. scandal, Liberty it's a documentary University. documentary about love. It's a documentary about faith, passion, <laughs> the Oklahoma Marriage. City bombing for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can watch a little bit of the trailer for the show. We've talked about the scandal a little bit on the show before, but we can watch the trailer real quick. As a pool attendant, I would get hit on. But if I would have known that accepting this woman's invitation to go back to her hotel room (laughs) would have led to a scandal involving the president of the largest Christian university in the world and the president of the United States, I would have walked away and just enjoyed my private life. The Falwells are the Southern Gatsby's. They're wealthy, powerful. With a Christian's communications empire. And they're sloppy. They have a public image, but behind the scenes, they're freaks. Do you think people say that about us? I didn't really know who they were. (laughs) My brother was at the age of one of their sons. I don't think we're behind the scenes. He started being friendly with the kids. They had no idea that their dad liked to record his wife. Having sex with me. (laughs) What is happening? Becky was in love with this kid. Jerry was looking at keeping his wife happy. They were bringing him into a world he couldn't imagine. Real estate, politics. He was on top of the world. I'm like, this is it. I have never heard of anybody buying some kid that they met at the pool for a half million dollar business. Like, what's going on? I love that woman. Yeah, she's we cool. Have a very powerful endorsement coming. Jerry Falwell Jr. Trump didn't fit the model of the evangelical candidate. There was some sort of relationship between Falwell, the pool attendant, Trump, and Michael Cohen. He was paid to dig up dirt on people and control them with that dirt. I'm screwed. This is where it became dangerous. You don't know what lengths people are willing to go when they have so much to lose. If they wanted to make me disappear, they can do it. The Falwells are predators. Anytime you have sex and then makes religion, that's some nasty, nasty shit. You don't even know. It was an atomic scandal. Jerry Falwell writes, I was not involved. I know the truth about them. And the whole world is going to find out. Okay, God forbid. God forbid. Mm. Directed by... 
freaking Billy Corbin, who's directed a few other documentaries as well. Um, this is a movie about, <laughs> first and foremost, cuck representation. It is. Does it feel good to see yourself on screen? <laughs> okay. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Wait, I did have the... <laughs> There's one very jarring uh, cut to... Most of the documentary is told from the perspective of Giancarlo Granda. The pool boy. Who's the, the pool boy uh, referred to so often. Um, but they do cut to, uh, away to some other talking heads. This is my favorite cutaway by uh, far. He goes to the corner of the room. He took off his jeans and oh then he just God. started Hang on. Um, jacking off. <laughs> Let's talk about cuck theory. Cuck Ultimately, theory. it's a guy who likes to watch. I'm fulfilled on a sexual level. Let's talk about cuck theory. Talk about cuck theory. New drop. <laughs> let's, cuck, let's talk about cuck theology. Mm, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> what does it mean to get gospel cucked? <laughs> well, I, you know, we always talk about this every year, but um, Christmas tis the season of cooking. Wait, what, what? Joseph cucked by God himself. Oh, that's right. Joseph is the ultimate cuck. I thought you were saying it's like cucking season, like cuffing season. But I guess that's true as well. That's is true. So this story broke however many years ago. I guess two years ago in 2020 or 2018. I forget exactly. Yeah, when. I think that's when the whole BuzzFeed article came out was mm -hmm. in 2020. Yeah, so during the pandemic, which is so funny. Yeah. But essentially the TLDR is that 10 years ago in 2012, Becky Falwell and Jerry Falwell met this boy working. He was a 20-year-old boy who was working at a hotel. They started a sexual relationship with him that then escalated. There was real estate dealings. There was financial stake and investment. There was intersection with Michael Cohen, uh, Trump's fixer guy. And this intersected with, um, the timeline did with Falwell Jr.'s endorsement of Trump as the Republican nominee, mm -hmm. which was sort of a zag because at the time, people need to remember, Ted Cruz was the favorite of the evan yes. of evangelicalism, just by and large. But there had been no evangelical leaders who had really like picked a guy, but he was just kind of the presumed- The default. Whatever you want to call it. Was it really Ted Cruz? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's a from the Vanity Fair article. We think the Democratic nominees are bad. <laughs> it is bleak, bleak out there. It is so funny. Bleak as hell. Did you see that SNL skit, by the way, about the nominees for um, president? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. A couple weeks ago, I thought <laughs> that it was, was funny. funny. Anyway. Uh, yeah, uh, this is from the Vanity Fair article from earlier this year, from January, uh, which is a long interview with Jerry and Becky. Uh, they oh, did. that's right. Kind of yeah. recently. Um, a, I read this. A January 2016 Des Moines poll showed Cruz with a 10-point lead in Iowa and three times more evangelical support. And Trump, Cruz was a fervent evangelical himself and son of a pastor. So it's like, as like fucking cretinous a worm as Cruz was, he did have the actual like He actually like went to church on occasion. Yeah, he did. And he like, he talked about it all the time and he's still talking about it. I mean, like he is the poster child of, Yeah. <laughs> Cretinous worm evangelical sure. republicanism. He loves it. Yeah. So he wouldn't say two Corinthians. No, he would not say two <laughs> Corinthians. He wouldn't say which which testament is my favorite, both, <laughs> both equally. Um, and the Vanity Fair article says five days before the Iowa caucuses, Jerry rocked the political world when he endorsed Trump. Jerry was the first evangelical leader to throw in with Trump, which dealt a terminal blow to Cruz's campaign. When the media layer reported that, Cohen. Michael Cohen kept nude pictures of Becky out of the press. It looked like a quid pro quo. So the right. the sort of argument that the documentary is making is that the, <laughs> them fucking this this twenty year old boy led to the pandemic. Good God! To, like, oh my God! The nightmare we live in to this day led to the Trump presidency. And don't cuck. It's very dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. Cucking ruins multiple lives, including <laughs> your own, in ways that you don't, don't know. Don't go to Florida. And don't understand. Oh, my God. The the dominoes that were tipped. I mean, I think that some of this is a bit of an extrapolation that the documentary takes. I mean, they really do kind of draw a line from, like, this happening to Falwell to Trump to, to like, George mayhem. Floyd, yeah. BLA. Yeah. Exactly. It, so... This is also a trend, not that I watch like all the documentaries, but it feels like a big trend of a lot of 
narrative nonfiction movies is, but how does this, what, how, how do we get from here to Trump? That's sort of the MO of a lot of stuff, right. including literally, for real, the new Barney documentary on Peacock. What? There is a, a section in it that talks about like, yeah, people have rejected Barney and that's how Trump got elected. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That is for real a part of it. Like, you know, people don't like kindness. They like meanness and oh, cruelty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and then like it, Trump. Yeah. That's so funny. So it is. We're also just trying to make sense of that in a lot of ways. I mean, honestly, though, like, it is a pretty compelling story, though, to say that Falwell was blackmailed by his weird stuff he was doing. Mm-hmm. By the way, we can just start off by saying cooking is fine if you want to do that. Cook away! If it's all consensual, yeah. go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have a problem with cooking personally. Kevin certainly doesn't. Oh, no. And- I'm a longtime <laughs> defender of it. Give me the beat boys and free my soul. Pardon. I want to get lost in that cucking hole and drift away. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah. all that aside, but it's just, it was still weird and it was really funny. But anyway, that like, that could be something that set off an amount of secrecy and then guilt and then extortion mm-hmm. on the part of Jerry Falwell. It was crazy. Do you think he was extorted? Do you think he was for real? Because I I remain on the fence of it. I think it's fun and sexy to like, and there's, uh, you know, to to draw that line like, oh, Michael Cohen, know that guy? Turns out he's the one. And then that led to this and blah, blah, blah. And then that gets into the Tom Arnold of it all. Tom Arnold is a part of this documentary because- you, Believe it or not, Tom Arnold has a lot to say. He has inserted in himself into the narrative. <laughs> Which I was like, why are we just breezing past the fact that Tom Arnold is so cozy with Michael Cohen mm-hmm. that Michael Cohen is getting on the phone, being recorded, and just like confessing huge crimes to Tom Arnold? It's crazy. I don't quite understand Tom Arnold's place in the culture at this point. I know he is upset. Yeah. He's very anti-Trump, and yeah, and he was trying, trying to, get to get say he was like, getting the truth, mm-hmm. and he was like warming his way in through this world. And whatever. Maybe he was. I don't know. Who cares? Huge. But, Thank you for your help, Tom Arnold. But Thank yeah. you, Comrade Arnold. I, I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I buy that the endorsement would not have happened if not for the Cohen extortion. I don't either because Falwell seemed to genuinely love Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Like he he went so above and beyond just an endorsement. Yeah. Like he he really liked being around Trump, having him there, having his entire cabinet come. Yes. He was putting artwork of Trump in his office. He was defending him on Twitter every day. Like, I just really don't think he needed to do that much to like satisfy the blackmail agreement. Right. right? And, and it feels like someone who as a, even a personality fit felt pretty compatible. Yeah, exactly. As a guy who's like literally... Constantly drunk, partying with students, and bragging about the gun he's carrying around campus all the time. It feels like that would be a natural fit. Yes, while of you, like who you'd want to endorse, presenting moral majority values or like talking about them being exactly. important. Totally. So, so I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, iffy on like, and then without that, <laughs> this would have never happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even the documentary suggests like maybe Cohen didn't use the photos to blackmail, but it was like security in case Falwell like changed his mind or someone else tried to like persuade him to not endorse Trump. Mm-hmm. Fine. I the thing I was amazed by was like I knew this broad strokes of this story. I had read all the coverage and everything, and yet there was still so much in the like interpersonal dynamics that mm-hmm. I didn't understand or didn't know that like this documentary blew up for me. Like how much Becky Falwell genuinely was in love with Giancarlo. Oh yeah. Like he wasn't just a boy toy that they like brought into their their thriving sex life, you know, for fun and then like gave him a business because they liked him or whatever. Like I didn't realize and this it makes more sense too like she was really really into him and like thought of him as like her boyfriend and they would text every day and he said if she didn't um if he didn't like pick up when she called, she would be like call him later sobbing. Mm-hmm. And then Jerry Falwell would call Giancarlo and be like, why didn't you pick up the phone when <laughs> Becky called? Like, these kind of dynamics A were dynamic we're me. all familiar with. <laughs> like, that we've all experienced in some form of fashion. The other thing that I think that they possibly could have explored more, but maybe just didn't even have enough evidence to go off of, was that I don't think the dynamic between 
well, I mean, this feels obvious, but between Jerry and Becky was very good because they make it sound like Becky was kind of this free agent and was like going out hooking pool boys to bring back to the hotel room Mm -hmm. to Jerry and they'd all have fun together. But there were some comments in the documentary and then I guess Jerry had even said to Giancarlo, Becky can never divorce me. She's not allowed to divorce me. If she did, I would have her killed. And so, or he said some other thing that it was like Becky's job to seduce pool boy or whoever and then let Jerry watch. So I think maybe on some level, Becky was enjoying this, but also I think on some level, like, and this makes so much sense if you think about what evangelical family structure is like, is that it's very patriarchal, very controlling when you have a man at the head of the household. And especially if you have a man as chaotic as Jerry Falwell, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's, I don't know, it added a little bit of a heartbreaking element for me too, to think that Becky herself is not happy with this arrangement either and was not like doing good. Yeah, I think I think that's a huge part of it. The other part that's really complicated and weird for me is that the the pretty credible allegations of her kind of assaulting other young men. Oh as my god, well. yeah, that and was just, like, insane. Crawling into bed with like friends of her was it a friend of her son or something. Yeah, like her son's bandmate yeah. or something and then like blowing him and stuff and he didn't want that to happen. Sorry, we should probably put a trigger warning at the top of this episode (laughs) big time. And then um, also the other, there was another female student in their house that Jerry had photos of with like her skirt up or something. And I'm like, okay, so there's a lot of kids that have come through this household who are not coming forward or not saying anything. And there were also girls. So it's like, what was going on with the girls? This wasn't just a thing that Jerry only liked watching Becky have sex. Like, there was other stuff going on, and I don't even, I guess, need to get into the sordid details, but just, there was so much more to this story than just, like, Becky and the pool boy. Right, which is, like, an easy headline, and it's fun to say pool boy, but it's actually just emblematic as a a, a wedge story that kind of opens up the rest of the complete chaos and dysfunction totally. of Liberty University and sexual assault cover-ups and et cetera and every, everything horrific you could imagine. Mm-hmm. But this just happens to be the one that's the most Coen Brothers-esque, I guess, in yeah. some ways because like the money and where they go and the... Well, and they happened to find the one guy in Florida who was like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, like I'll tell all of this too. Yeah. That was the other thing about this documentary. I don't blame... Giancarlo for talking. I think that they really backed him into a corner in a lot of ways. And it's, by the way, side note, all they had to do was keep this guy happy. Like he, he really had nothing to lose and they had everything to lose. And all he was asking for was $600,000, which is kind of a drop in the bucket to the Falwells. And if they had just paid him that, he probably would have like gone on his merry way. If he was just allowed to have a job. I think in fact, if they really wanted to do this right, they should have given him a high power job so that if he had come forward, he would have also lost whatever he wanted as well. Which I think they were trying to do, but then- Correct me if I'm wrong about the series of events. He didn't want to work at Liberty. Right. He didn't want to work there. But then also, this story leaked without his whistleblowing before. And then he came out and said, like, oh, yeah, it's all true, actually. And I can give a more authoritative account. And I have the video and stuff, which there are certain, like, like, so we're talking about all the elements of the story. As far as, like, the actual, like experience of watching this as a movie, I found parts of it to be aggressively unpleasant. Oh, yeah. In parts where it's like, it's got an Adam McKay as a producer, but it's definitely got Adam McKay disease of like, let's put seven songs over this and jazz it up with a bunch of rap music. I sound, God, I sound so old. Let's jazz it up with rap music. Whoa there. (laughs) You know, this freaking music, just play real music. No, but this sort of like, cinematizing everything. Make and doing, it like poppy and kind of fun and yeah. Doing the drunk history reenactments where it's it's audio of Giancarlo in the present day's interview and then it's reenactors lip syncing to what he's saying. <laughs> the drunk history thing was really and funny. And then they go as far as to show with partial censorship the photos and videos that Becky and Jerry sent him, which I personally don't need to see. I also thought that was wrong to do yeah. that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, that now that I'm thinking about like that girl in their kitchen, mm-hmm. I'm sure she didn't consent to that being put in a documentary. Right. Also, I don't have any love for Becky Falwell, but showing video of Becky topless, even though it's censored, yeah. it was like, 
really not necessary at all. Or they could have even just shown like a screenshot, but they showed prolonged minutes of that. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that feels really fucked up. Like, I don't care. It feels vindictive. You don't need to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that's like, that was still private and that was still consensual. And like, that wasn't a crime that she did that. You know, and so you don't get to expose that part of someone's life. Yeah, because you know? it's kind of uphold, upheld in the documentaries. This is the smoking gun. This is the thing right. that I, Giancarlo, leaked to prove to the world that this was true and this was the evidence that then the paper could run and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, to to rehash it all in, in visual to like yeah, you us as an audience, it I think Without having like, to like revenge porn it all over everyone's right. screen on all of Hulu. Right. I think that's inappropriate. It's pretty gross. But um but but yeah the other thing with this that kind of makes me itchy is the same thing again, listen, I went home with Tiger King during the pandemic. <laughs> I also went on a date and went all the way with The Vow season one uh, on HBO. Oh yeah 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 Nexium Colt. Um in that that documentary. Dark. Yeah, it's dark, but also the filmmaking of that show in particular, because there was a few Nexium ones, but the one on HBO, it was told primarily through the lens of people who used to be members and certain ex-members. And of course, the posture is like, you know, we went along with these things and we didn't realize. And now we're on a, you know, a little crusade to fight. <laughs> and have the truth be known and justice and blah, 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 blah. In the same way, it's like I I'm sure whatever the actual truth is, it's more complicated than anything that could be observed in a two-hour documentary. But there is something a little bit itchy to me about presenting the whole thing from Jean-Carlo's like, you know, I did. I, I, oh, totally. I, I liked Trump back in the day, but then I saw, you know, I love the art of totally. the deal. And I, I was excited to meet him. And he met him in, you know, the early 2010s or whenever it was. And then he's like, now I... You know, I see what he's done. I have and, issues with him. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure he's still like, I would have met, I can't imagine he's not like a little bit Republican or all lives matter or whatever, but you Holy. know, like whatever the case well, his may sister be. being like, he spoke truth to power and he brought this family down. I'm like, that was definitely not his goal at all. Like, and someone already did it. He didn't like blow it up. Yeah. Like was he already, could have and he yeah. didn't. Yeah. So <laughs> that stuff as a perspective watching the movie, I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta filter through some of this to get to what the actual thing. Mm-hmm. But the the documentary scope does just keep expanding and expanding to like <laughs> to basically like everything that's wrong with the world. It can be root currently in 2022 can be found in the root of the rise of Trumpism, which can be found in the root of this endorsement, which I just think. Well, is and like, then this family because mm-hmm. they do like a quick course on Jerry Falwell Senior who founded the moral majority and was the one that struck upon um, anti-abortion being like a conservative turning point to like rally this huge voting bloc to get Mm -hmm. Republicans in office. And he got Reagan elected. Yeah. So in some ways I'm like, I think you could actually draw a pretty good line to a lot of this stuff Mm -hmm. coming from like the Falwell family, which is insane. It's crazy. I don't know. I guess it shouldn't surprise you anymore, but like that one guy said, the whole family is sloppy as hell and follow senior is sloppy, follow junior is sloppy. Like it's such a clown show and what they're able to accomplish nationally, internationally, just by like whipping people up and being a little nasty on occasion. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Talking about like ending Muslims after <laughs> the school, the shooting oh in San God. Bernardino and and things like that. And I, I do wonder in the vacuum of them being totally disgraced and fucking off, although Jerry Falwell is still active on on Instagram, which is very funny. He is? He's still active on Instagram. He posts pictures. You know, the comments are limited. The Vanity Fair article is a, a fun sort of uh, antidote to some of the documentary where it's like, what is their little narrative or spin to the very obvious, super credible everything against them. <laughs> There's lines in it because because the whole thing is, yes, so Becky and Giancarlo would have, you know, engage in sexual acts and Jerry would watch in the corner. And the way they frame it in this Vanity Fair interview is, is that Jerry and Becky start an affair and then 
or I'm sorry, uh, that Giancarlo and Becky started an affair, and then Jerry would like sometimes walk in on accident. <laughs> like, uh, Jerry, okay. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. The affair continued for over a year. This is from the Vanity Fair. Over that summer, Jerry and Becky went to Miami, checked into the Lowe's Hotel. Jerry discovered that Becky booked a second room at the Gale Hotel for her. And Granda, uh, Jerry confronted them outside the room. On another trip to Miami in the fall of 2013, Jerry said he walked into his hotel room to get his laptop and found Becky and Granda having sex. It was traumatizing, he said. <laughs> so That's stuff right. like that. I totally forgot that piece of the puzzle that Jerry tried to throw Becky under the bus. Like that was their statement that Becky had had an affair and that he had forgiven her and he was very saddened by it. Yeah. Um, but that like she was so sorry. And all he the, believe that all shit? the cucking is like, oh no, oh, I walked in. Oh, <laughs> oh no, oh, my this hog sucks. fell out. <laughs> oh no, oh get the lo- oh the loop <laughs> fell into my hand. Oh, oh no, no, my it's, um, phone camera's on. <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah, and they're like fucking criminals because they recorded the kid without his consent. That's right. Uh, I mean, know. he's there's so many disgusting things that Jerry Falwell did. Just. You name it, he probably did it. So you can imagine. We don't even need to name it all. I was trying to think of like what would have been the more interesting take on all this stuff. Because it did just as an experience watching it feel a little too chaotic. I basically recommend people watch it. that like don't expect a great documentary from it if you're going to watch it. But uh, And it's certainly a lot of parts of it. I think the things that the filmmakers relying on you to find fun and trashy the way you would watch a reality show, I didn't find as right. fun to indulge in. Uh, but it, it just felt a little too purient or provocative in some ways where it's like, look at this trashy family. And when it did sort of indulge and maybe make some leaps and stretches to like connecting it to history – abortion stuff, you know, the fact that Roe v. Wade was over to, like all the, all the stuff where, where it draws the lines I found to be more interesting than the sort mm-hmm. of nitty gritty of like, what did Giancarlo want? You know, at one point, at one point he said he was struggling with suicidal ideation and he was texting Becky, like, just take care of my dog when I'm gone. Yeah, like, just like so humiliating stuff, you know, just like, or not humiliating for whatever, just like really intensely sad tragic stuff and um in 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 that part of it I'm in just like not <laughs> fully understanding what it would be like to be referred to as a pool boy for the rest of your life and like headlines or whatever the last couple of years of his life has been like but he's now like I think trying to take back some part of the net. That's the other thing is like him saying, you know, I remember what Trump said, which is get even. And yeah, so I'm getting like, even. So he's still your point so of reference? So this whole thing. Are you this, serious? Yeah, the whole documentary is like, revenge I'm doing you? what Donald told me to. Right. Which I think is like a, so there's this documentary. He's also written a book that came out last month oh about God. all this stuff. So he's like, you know, this is, there's going to be his lane and his um, yeah. cause for a little bit, which, you know, I mean, I don't know. Can you blame him? Um, I don't know. I mean, he doesn't seem like a very decent person. And he also doesn't seem like a very smart person. So I I don't think the point is to root for him one or other. I mean, obviously, I want him to heal and, like, go on his way. And also, like, I don't I don't blame him because who, who would know, like, beyond being in a Liberty U- University, like— what a machine he was getting into. And obviously they preyed upon his like ignorance and his youngness. So in that way, I don't blame him. But anyway, um, as far as like what could be done better, I I really think they did did everything they could with this. I mean, it's a sex story. That's kind Mm -hmm. of it. And like, I think that the marketing of this movie was playing to what everybody loves, which is pastors being hypocrites or religious leaders being hypocritical, especially when it comes to sex. So that's obviously going to be the thing they talk about the most. And so I give them credit that they actually talked a lot about the history of the Falwells and what they've done and like putting them in context that this isn't just a church family that fucked up. Like this is a huge political machine basically. And so I think they did a good job painting that picture because for a lot of people, like I don't think Liberty University is on the map unless you love DC talk too, you know, so <laughs> just a small group. Release the Michael so, Tate cut. <laughs> they should have had DC forbid. talk on that. Would have Do been the soundtrack. Yeah. I think, um, I think the only thing I wish I had a little bit more information on is, uh, what 
like how Liberty University was able to completely kick Jerry Falwell out because I think that's such a big deal that they did that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, um, that he's literally banned from being on the campus where his parents are buried. His parents are buried. He can't visit their graves. Mm -hmm. His family built it. He saved it from financial ruin Mm -hmm. in the 90s, I guess. By the way, Liberty University kind of pioneered on... I'm having such a hard time speaking tonight. They They pioneered... They they set uh, it on fire. (laughs) Online learning. That was how they saved themselves financially was to sell degrees online. And that's how they were able to kind of come roaring back and build the campus as it is right now. I didn't know that part of the history. When did that happen? Um, Was that like... God... 2010s? Uh, it was pre-pandemic this happened. Oh, this was like, I think this was like in the 90s okay. or early 2000s. And I think that was Jerry Falwell Jr.'s mm-hmm. doing. He, w- he was like, this is how we're going to make money and be solvent again. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, I mean, his crimes were so egregious, obviously. But like, Trump was still president. I felt like Liberty University, if they really wanted to, could have found a way to keep Jerry in the fold, you know? So I'm like, mm. what? What was put in motion? How many people already hated Jerry Falwell Jr. and wanted him out? How many leaders inside Liberty University were ready to strike and form a coup to get him out of there? Right. Because that is earth-shattering. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there there is even, um, uh, uh, you know, there there's a little bit of context in that Vanity Fair article about students that were rebelling against the university like when the Access Hollywood tape came out in 2016 and Falwell was like hey you know we're all sinners and I right. was like this fucking son. you know and I but you, some, you have to know that that was a minority on campus it was a it was a minority um Mark DeMoss Mark DeMoss by then a faith-based PR guru and chairman of Liberty's board criticized Jerry during an interview with the Washington Post and then he resigned so so there was some Tension, right. at least at that level, even even six years ago. But you're right; that's probably a more interesting story. Is like the internal academia, yeah, like <laughs> conflict what processes they were able to do. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I bet Jerry was so low at that point he didn't even really fight it anymore. He was just like, "Let me go to mine." I mean, he was ranch. calling into shows drunk and oh, he was a mess. Posting that picture with the with the woman who was pregnant and their pants were unzipped, and they said they were doing a trailer park boys. Oh my catch. god, it was crazy that they were. I mean, they were showing clips of when he was speaking like at campus at like convocation obviously drunk like yeah. spilling his drink and stuff it was wild wild liberty university is an insane place yeah it's insane gcf live show coming there spring 2023 <laughs> the lu tour is coming <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> could we pose we'll have to perform separately i'll go to the girls oh that's you right <laughs> oh that's okay no I, i'm used to it uh anything else before we we rate this thing anything else um i want to talk about or... my notes here <laughs> we can just give a roasties and toasties becky we talked about cuck theory that's kind of everything i wanted to do <laughs> Yeah, I think the relationship between Becky and Jerry, there's a lot more to it. Becky was 13 when they met, and he was 18. That's a they've been together since nasty. she was a child. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, think about that. Think about what that guy is to you. Like, that's not just a husband anymore. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty nasty. <laughs> Another thing that I thought was kind of like. This is such a, this is like a minor funny aside, but like all the kind of tacky places they went in their like party lifestyle. <laughs> they went to like it's STK. Like yeah, yeah, I know. It's in so New funny. York. Put <laughs> on your boots, honey. We're going to PF Chang's. Yeah. And then when they go to hook up with him, they went to the Days Inn. Like they went, they weren't even at the same hotel because their kids were there. No, um, that yeah, I love trashy. their their middle class fancy lifestyle. Oh, boy. Okay, well, let's give this a roaster toast. Uh, you know how it works. We're going to give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Thumbs up is toast. Thumbs down is roast. And if we're not sure, we can put it in purgatory. Let's do it collectively as a, as a GCF family. Let's okay. just give it one thing. Mm. There's definitely merits to the story and its content. I, I found the execution really detracted from it as a viewing experience. 
I was actively put off and I thought it worked against even what it was trying to say because some of it was so obnoxious or ham-fisted in parts, but I still thought that the core of what it was trying to get at in terms of why is hypocrisy important? Because it's like, the, it's the systems that we're all living in and affected by, and this is just like a small piece of it. I thought that part was salient and worth talking about. Definitely. So, based on that. Yeah, I... Is that spacey or oh, toasty? I think I would give it a toast too. Um, I think it's... I'm just so happy this story came out. <laughs> I'm like, sure. honestly, the more coverage on it, the better. I don't want Liberty University to ever lose this stain on their reputation. And mm-hmm. I don't want the moral majority and the Falwells and Trump and everybody involved to ever let this get lost in the record somehow, you know? Um, so I'm glad they make a documentary about it. I think that the the marketing and, yeah, the, like, sleazy angle is really unfortunate I don't know how much they actually needed to do that to get people to watch sure. or be interested, but um, it definitely does detract from like the story. Um, it's pretty gross at certain points. Um, but I was interested, and I think I, I still learned stuff, and I like knew the story pretty well, so I would give it a toast in that way. Wait a minute. I'm getting a, a Google News alert. <laughs> Jerry Falwell Jr. and wife Becky are starting a new church in Arizona, and the worship <laughs> pastor is... Lydia Tar? <laughs> wow. Wow, everyone's oh getting God. the second act. And hey. Mark Driscoll is guesting? <laughs> yeah. He's, <laughs> he's just doing the offering he's on the stuff. Circuit? Wow. Wow. Oh my Mark Driscoll does the special music. We got Oh god. <laughs> Lord, I lift your Lord name on the, high. My God. I love to sing your praises. All right. <laughs> well, based on that, yeah, we'll give it a light toast. A light toast light from toast. the GCF podcast. Toast with caveats. I, I I do have my caveats. I do, <laughs> but we're bringing it down. Dex, Dexter's dimming the lights. Dexter's and lighting the candles. Barking at nothing. Or he's barking at nothing. Hey, unless why? we're not here to plug ourselves or to promote our projects, we're here to lift them up to the Lord, as per usual. Have a guest here? No. Oh, okay. That, but I thought no. That's just a neighbor. Okay. Caroline, we'll start with you. Um, you can lift me up as always on Caroline's farts. Uh, don't forget litter boxed. Did you say litter boxed? <laughs> yeah, that's the new app Scampies. where you rate your your cat's shit. Your cat's, shit. <laughs> your, your cat's offerings. <laughs> we call the litter box in our household the suggestion box. Is that true? Yeah. It's so where like, she can give feedback. One. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. She has a lot of suggestions. Mm-hmm. Um gosh, do I have a lift up this week? You may not, and that's a lift up unto itself is space. You're giving the space. I'm lifting up space. Mm-hmm. You're holding winter, space and lifting it up. Take your time. Go slow. It's winter. Take your time. Go slow. I like that. Mm-hmm. You can lift me up at Kevin T. Porter. I'll lift up a movie I saw called After Sun, starring Paul Mescal. It's an Irish little quiet indie drama that is sweeping the nation. Everyone's loving it. Nice. Uh, it's about a father and daughter in the 90s. It's a very personal movie by a filmmaker named Charlotte Wells, who is close friends with a close friend of ours. Uh, and he's been championing this movie a lot. I saw it in New York. I saw it with some friends. It was their second time seeing it. They loved it so much already. I saw it, and I need to see it again because I did sit next to a man who came in very late and had some very rank BO. And so... While watching the movie, it was a 40x experience right. for me. All the senses were engaged. That's right, but not in the way that you want. So, <laughs> You've been getting real lucky with your seatmates at the theaters lately. Oh, what is that? You think we should bring the pandemic back? I Yeah, well, I said that after Cruella. I was like, nope, bring the pandemic back. But uh, <laughs> no, I don't mean it. Everyone should see it, starring Mr. Phoebe Bridgers. He's in it. Um, you're reminding me that uh, I have a lift up, actually. What is it? Speaking of Irishmen. Banshees of Inishirin. Oh, you like Banshees of Ed yes, Sheeran? Yes, of Ed Sheeran. Are we rowing? We're not rowing, are we? We're rowing? We're rowing. <laughs> Seems like you're rowing. I loved it. I loved it. In Bruges is my favorite movie to see these two-handers come back one more time. Uh, interesting choice of words. <laughs> two-handers, okay. <laughs> That's what I think of. Brendan Gleeson, he, he played Knuckles McGinty in Paddington 2. 
I'll just say his knuckles. Uh, hey, go see Banshees. Of, you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying his knuckles and oh, Banshees. Are, you know, it's that. a whole different story. It's a great movie. Uh, good two-hander. Or one-hander. Uh, you can lift us up at Christian Fun Pod, patreon.com. Slash good Christian fun for more good Christian fun. And uh, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And every review you leave, we donate a dollar to charity. Um, Dexter, thank you be- for being our cuck in the room <laughs> right now. As you watch as Caroline interacts with me while you're not, not interacting with me at all. I think you're the cuck in the situation. What? Oh, because he's on the couch with you? Yeah. Okay. And this is your dog. It's true. <laughs> You actually love putting Dexter out in public. So now that I think about it. I don't want to think about this too much. <laughs> You're okay. more like Jerry than you thought. No, okay. There's nothing left to say <laughs> except for, okay, I love I you, I love Emma. you, Emma. Amen. Amen. Uh, what, song, what song did they use to open up the... the um, <laughs> the movie? President of Liberty Oh, Troubles with God. Oh, yeah, this leader resigning from the college his father founded with God. His fall from grace was swift. Moby, we love him. Cool guy. All right, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. And that Falwell watched when they were intimate. It is the latest in a shocking string of scandals to hit one of the most influential families in the evangelical conservative movement. That was a HeadGum Podcast.